this week on Invasion of the Podcast, and the most useless award goes to... Did the Dark Tower film forget the face of its father? And I ask, which king is it? We bring you this special radio television broadcast in order to give you the very latest information on an amazing phenomenon. The arrival of a spaceship. Just a minute, ladies and gentlemen, I think something is happening. Flying saucers have invaded our planet. People of Earth, attention. It's the invasion of the podcast. The whole world is under attack. Can it survive? And welcome to Invasion of the Podcast, where we're trying to take over the world one listener at a time. I am Paul, and to my left is the the awesome sweaty man that is steve Thanks. i don't know uh, i had hello, i was everyone. trying to think of something complimentary i'm just like what do i say sweaty that's not really that's not really complimentary <laughs> that's not complimentary at all, all. yeah <laughs> uh, but I hey know. ladies he's sweaty yeah <laughs> but don't worry he's taken he's like you know you he's guys, taken and sweaty yeah. As am I. So, yeah, anyway, um, I think it's because I'm just so sweaty that my brain can't function right right now. I don't know what it is. Like, I, it just, normally the heat doesn't bother me, like, in the sense that, like, as long as I have airflow, I'm okay. But it just, the humidity is what saps it out of me. And I just, I feel like this summer is, like, the first one in a while where, I, I just can't get a, a break from it. Like I just feel like it's multiple nights just like sticking to the couch and you just can't do anything. And it's disgusting. I don't have central air. Yeah. So I'm not I'm not one of the rich people out there with their fancy air conditioners. <laughs> you know, with, with all of their rooms being temperature controlled. So yeah, I don't know. It's it's like as much as I'm anti winter and I and I did say I noticed the first pumpkin beers are in stores now. So everyone's so excited because they're like Halloween. And I'm like, great. But then the day after Halloween starts winter or something, you know, so I'm not in a hurry to get to there. So but right now I'm also melting. So I, I guess I'm just there is no time of year that I'm happy, I guess, is where I'm coming from. Well, I mean, yes, being one of those uh, very much excited for Halloween, I can say that I safely say that I've not bought anything Halloween related yet. Um, but I've also like stayed away. Like I'm trying to not like overload all of a sudden, and then like it's just you know, I got to build up. I don't want to. <laughs> I don't want to get too into it already because a you can take this weather and just have it. Like I, I, I would prefer a much long like i want like a nice long fall i want it to be like 60 65 uh nice cool breeze and leaves falling on the ground for like three months See, like i want i'm okay with that but i think the 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 trick is that people are like i love fall i'm like fall as as an idea is wonderful fall as a construct just it just you just never know from day to day is it going to be is it the nice kind of fall or the that where that wind just rips through you, you're like oh it's coming like I, that's the part about fall i hate is like there's a nice little pleasant moment and then it just just nose dives you know yeah, i i also just i hate heat so like <laughs> uh as i've gotten older like i'm kind of like uh become a reverse old person in the sense <laughs> that uh they always say like as you get older you want to live in like a more warmer climate and you want to you know that's why people go to Florida and stuff like that when they're older. Like I am in reverse. I'm actually hating summer more and more the older I get. So 
Oh, well, um, good thing you decided to come do a podcast with me in the world's like least like temperature controlled house. Yes. Because it feels like, <laughs> like uh, I don't know what it was. Like it just yesterday I got home for the sunset and it was, it was reasonable. It was reasonable in here. The moment the sun sets, like all the heat just comes up out of the house. Like however, it was storing it all day. And then it just, it just becomes like an oven box. And I don't know. So, and the reason why we're sweaty is because I'm not going to run a fan as much as my wife keeps telling me I should, because I believe in presenting you guys some supposedly clear audio, clean audio. You will hear random uh, dogs barking sometimes outside, or I don't know. We're, we're good for like what one or two emergency vehicles per show going by <laughs> the window. You know, like I can't control that, but I don't have to have a fan running the entire time. So uh. my, my my suffering is your gain. So congratulations, enjoy. I don't know. Anyway, enough about that. Let's uh. Let's just get to some news. We're just going to get to the news early, about a half hour earlier than we normally get to. Let's just get to the news. Good news, everyone. News is it's hot out, and I and we and we're both old men, and we're complaining about the weather. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Uh, the weather sucks. We'll yeah. just put it that way. Yeah. So, first story. This one came out today. Uh, so, uh, ABC, which shows the Oscars, uh, the broadcast, they they're working with the uh, like the Motion Picture Academy to change it up a little bit because they feel like people are starting to not tune in for like a seven hour award show. So they're coming up with some tweaks and some changes. But the one that they announced, and I, I sent this to Steve today, and it was like, what? Supposedly they're introducing a category called best popular movie. Yeah. And, and this kind of, and you mentioned you're right, this kind of comes on the coattails of uh, our discussion about the Dark Knight changing the best picture nominations. Yeah, they went from yeah. five to 10 that year, I believe. Yeah. And uh, what I find interesting is, is that there's no definition of what popular is. Does that <laughs> translate to dollars? Does that translate to. Like who picks what's the most popular? Like, yeah, because so you could have something like Fifty Shades of Grey make bank, and is that in contention for best popular movie? Like, I, uh, basically, most people that see this see this as kind of a way of the Academy saying that we're all idiots and that we can't tell like a well put together film that is deserving of praise versus something that just made a shit ton of money that is just like you know an action cash grab, and I and I kind of agree like. Because then you also can like make a film appear to be well. That's more for the the masses, but this is art. Like, yeah, what 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 are we even doing? You know, like I mean, that, that's the part. It's like this is supposed to be you know best best film. Uh, you know, Infinity War is a film. Black Panther is a film. Not that these are ones that should be. I mean, I think Black Panther should actually. Be in the top. That's yeah. yeah. I feel yeah. like that's what's going to happen though. Is they're going to be like, well, put Black Panther in the best popular film category, and we don't have to worry about putting it into the actual best film category because well, I feel it could like be there. You yeah. Know? yeah. So that's yeah. Yeah, and I mean, it, it, here's just a couple of things that I wanted to mention regarding this uh, this discussion. So I went back and looked through like the last forty years of best picture um, nominees or winners, I should say, and you know what what were the ones that were also number one that year at the box office. If we're spe- specifically looking at this from a um, dollar point of view, so like in 1972 it was The Godfather, 1973 it was The Sting. 1976, it was Rocky, and then 1979, it was Kramer versus Kramer, which, I don't know, like, if you'd have told me that Kramer versus Kramer was the number one movie at the box office that year, I don't know that I'd have believed you. It's a fine film, don't get me wrong, I just... Because if each Kramer by themselves couldn't pull it enough, yeah. <laughs> having, having the sequel where they both, they fought it out, people were ready for it. 
Right, but like once you get to the eighties, there were no uh, top grossing films that were or the top grossing film that. So the ones you're just mentioning were the top grossing film of that year. It also yeah. won Best Picture. Mm-hmm. Okay, and then like it's not until 1997 with Titanic that we see that film win Best Picture and also be the number one movie uh, financially. Um, and then after that, the only other movie that does that is the Lord of the Rings. Um, and that's the third Lord of the Rings, which a lot of people said, well, they just gave it to him because they felt he deserved it, even though it wasn't best picture that year. Yeah, because the, the previous two times, the other Lord of the Rings films were nominated for best picture yeah. and they didn't get it because everyone, the assumption was, well, they're going to reward Jackson at the end. And yeah. it's like, I, I love, I love the politics of, of, um, decision making in terms of what what is considering the high arts it's like you're giving someone an award for for this this undertaking would rightfully so i'm not saying he didn't deserve the recognition but it's like but if you felt that the first part of lord of the rings film like if you thought the fellowship of the ring was the best film of that year then why wouldn't you award it at that time as opposed to no you know what we're gonna see how return of the king does like yeah what like you know that's that's the part that kills me about this. And then how you always end up hearing about certain films or directors or actors getting, getting the Oscar because they're due, as opposed right. to is that their best performance. And I know there's been a lot of stuff thrown at DiCaprio because he kept trying and trying and trying. It's like, is The Revenant, did he get it because of The Revenant or is it because it, it's just his time? Right. You know, like, so it's all... It's all kind of bullshit anyway. And the fact that they're going to make a category called most popular picture, it's almost just like, you know, um, what movie made us smile the most? Like, I don't, <laughs> right. Yeah. And like, just I, to illustrate my point a little bit further, I'm going to throw some, some things at you here and just kind of get your take on it. So um, I looked at, you know, keeping in mind, you know, what was the top earner that year and what was best picture. I'm going to start with the year 2000. Um, best the picture year that year, two thousand. <laughs> For those of you who remember the old Conan <laughs> O'Brien show uh, that was on NBC, um, yeah, uh, Gladiator was best picture that year, and it was actually number four at the box office that year. It was uh, so it was popular, it but was not popular. the most popular. Yeah, okay. the top grosser that year was uh, How the Grinch Stole Christmas. Hmm. I think it should have gotten the Oscar. Yeah, I sh- I would also still this is this is one of those fight me moments. I'd also still argue Gladiator did not deserve Best Picture, but hey, that's just me. It was it's an okay movie. It's yeah. not. I don't know if it's well. Here's yeah, here's a little yeah. inside uh, trivia for you. Do you know what movie beat Gladiator financially that year? No, was it the Grinch? <laughs> the Crystal Christmas? <laughs> well, yes, it was yeah, that. Yeah. But also, this was the number three movie that year, and it uh, starred uh, one Mr. Tom Cruise, some doves. <laughs> and oh, wait, no, and a limp biscuit no, 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 version. Yeah, this of is <laughs> this was Kevin's favorite film, uh, most popular. That's that's the Kevin Oscar of Mission Impossible Two. I, you know, when you put them side by side. I mean, I really don't know how Mission Impossible Two lost out on exactly. being nominated for Best Picture. <laughs> In uh, two thousand four, uh, the uh, Best Picture was Million Dollar Baby. It came in at number twenty five that year financially. Okay, uh, the top grosser that year was Shrek Two. <laughs> I. I see your point. I just... uh, Oh, we're going to keep going. Okay, please. 2007, Best Picture, No Country for Old Men. It was number 36. Top grosser that year, Spider-Man 3. Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah. That that should not get most popular picture. It does get a little bit more interesting as we go on. 2012, uh, the Best Picture was Argo, number 22. Mm -hmm. That led to Batfleck. And uh, the top grosser, though, that year was The Avengers. Hmm. 
And I actually kind of feel like that might have been able to be included in Best Picture that year. I, I agree with that. Have you seen Argo? Yes. I, Argo's the awesome. Yeah, yeah, it's a great yeah, movie. Yeah, that, like, I own that. Like, not that that means anything, but I'm just saying, like, I... But, like, well, meaning, like... <laughs> Is this I, movie Oscar-worthy? I don't know. Does Paul own it? <laughs> no, the, no, the, no. The reverse should be, does Paul own it? Was this movie nominated for an Oscar? Those, those usually don't go side by side whatsoever. But brief thing about Argo, whenever they were there was the awards push for it, uh, it was like one of the last weekends it was going to be in theaters. I'm like, you know what? I'm going to go see this. I don't expect it to be. It was like an early day, like weekend day showing. Mm. It was a packed house. Like I was lucky to get a seat when I did. I was surprised at how much that movie pulled in yeah. around that time. And I was blown away by it. And so, yeah, I just, it, that's a good movie. But yeah. yeah, Avengers, I feel like, like. Yeah, that does that does play to you know the back of the house with uh you know the the over the top action and the comedy and everything, but it's like it's still like what qualifies for best film, right. you know like I, that that if you're going to do if you're going to use the Lord of the Rings idea of like well wait till you know you have the victory lap, the Avengers was the victory lap there, and I don't know why you know like that that feels weird like that because that movie until it existed everyone was worried it was going to fall apart, and yeah. not only did it not fall apart. It was one of the like the, the the best realizations of that idea. I think it was last episode you'd asked me if there had ever been a movie that like you walked out of and you wish you could just go back in and rewatch yeah. again. Uh, that was my experience with the first Avengers because it was the movie that I always wanted. It was the comic book movie that I'm like, oh my God, they did it. I can't believe they've done this. Um, and I'm not saying that it's the, the best Avengers movie now even, but like <laughs> at the time, and I still actually really love that first Avengers movie. At the time, I was like, holy crap, this is everything that I've ever read in a comic book kind of on pay on yeah. screen. And like, I was just amazed by it. Um, but I just want to mention yeah. real quick, if, if we if we went to, let's say that they'd implemented this last year, I okay. think I think this particular best picture, best, most popular movie category would have broken the internet. Because here's why. Uh, best picture last year, obviously, Shape of Water. Yeah. Okay. Uh, do you know what the top grosser of last year was? Oh, I'm going to give you a hint. We've talked about it an awful lot on the show. <laughs> the Last Jedi. The Last Jedi. <laughs> Just well, imagine. That, that was Steve's number vitriol. one film for the. <laughs> <laughs> that would have exploded across, you know. Every 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 little yeah. man child would have uh, been upset at that being like the yeah. Mm-hmm. So, I, I guess they need to they. What are their parameters for this? Are they just, is it? It's almost it's almost like MTV Movie Awards level of this like which MTV Movie Awards they 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 do it tongue in cheek with yeah. a lot of it and, and that's fine like you know have fun with it it's a celebration all these things should be a celebration of what happened that year creatively right I, I just. I don't know. Like, are you going to then now narrow down the best picture back down to five and be like, well, here's here's our series. Like, they yeah. should, instead of the most popular film, they we should didn't be... really want to give Get Out an Oscar nomination because it's a horror film. Yeah. So we didn't we're going to move you over here. We didn't want to nominate The Martian for best picture because right. people laughed at it a lot because that there was that talk too about yeah. it was nominated for best comedy, comedy. or musical. And it's that was like the Golden Globes, I think. Yeah, yeah. That, yeah, something like that where it was like this doesn't fit in there, you know. And I like that. Um, was it Jordan Peele said that Get Out should have been nominated for best documentary because <laughs> like, they were nominated for like so it just didn't yeah. fit where it was going but if you're going to have most popular film then you should just rename best picture to most stuck up your ass like in your own head up your own ass film if that, that's that's kind of that's my crude horrible way of saying it but it's like I feel like that's what you're trying to say that a film like like uh, you, you say get out like something that has a far reach 
that's not your typical genre fare for a best picture or the shape of water for that yeah. matter. You, you can't tell like that, that that's telling me that you feel that there's a line that there's a line for like, you can't, you, you can't tell me that Del Toro didn't put his heart and soul into that film and was making something of importance to him that translated well and people related to, right. It just happened to have a fish monster in it, you know? So I don't, that's the, that's the stuff that drives me nuts is that high end of credit, like critique and acceptance. And then also that setting the, the net so wide that you let everything in. And I feel like there's, that you, if you're going to just have this tune to the spectrum, then there's no, there's no conversation. And I think that's where you start to figure out the merit of something is when you have the conversation about it. And I think by having the separate award, you remove that conversation. I mean, I honestly, I don't understand why they weren't like, well, let's just break it down into best drama, best comedy, best horror, whatever. Like, yeah, uh, break it down by genre if you're going to have to go that way. But like, my whole thing too is is that who because they're not going to go by you can't go by like rotten tomato scores you can't go by like I don't understand what the barometer is best for tomato this. meter film of the year right is, like you know? you know they might as well just go by that because it, it's almost the equivalent of world's greatest dad you know what I mean like <laughs> yeah it's yeah. just it doesn't make any sense and it's kind of like a I don't know. And who's going to really be like, oh, I watched this year just so that I could see what the best popular, popular picture was. Yeah. I saw all five of them. <laughs> yeah. Like, man, Hotel Transylvania 3 better make it. <laughs> you know, like, just... I, I feel like this was an idea that sounded good in a boardroom. Like everyone's like, you know what? That's not they, and they didn't think about it enough. They're like, right. they're just because they've also uh, the way that the, pre- the presentation they're talking about changing up the the way everything goes is that a lot. Not every award's going to be like announced during that night. They're going to be doing some announcements for some of the the not as important. And I put that in parentheses or quotes. Uh, Basically, aspects. anything that's not a celebrity. Yeah, they're going to do those awards during the commercials or have them separate and not broadcast. Um, and they're trimming they're they'll be trimming down like what is being shown. And again, this is also like they're they've not they've not created Oscars for things that I feel that are Oscar worthy. And the one article I read did bring up there's no one for stunt work or stunt like you know, like yeah. cuz that's very important, like a best, you know, best stunt, you know, a person or like stunt choreography. Uh, there's no Oscar for casting. Like, because that's a huge job that no one thinks about. Yeah, it's like there's, there are reasons to reward people for their hard work, and they're skipping right past them and say we're just going to have the, the the most popular movie like, Unfriended Dark Web is going to be nominated. No, not really, but you know, I just I don't know. It just something. It just it just reeks of of not thought all the way through. That's all. Yeah, and. I don't know. I maybe the reason people aren't watching the Oscars is because it's 2018 and we're already saturated with celebrity stuff. Like there was at one point where the Oscars was kind of like a big thing where people would like, "Ooh, I want to see what, you know, who and who's wearing or whatever." Or see or, these stars on television, yeah. you know, like whereas I, now it's an everyday thing. Yeah. So, anyway, um, yeah, that's that's our uh, our our take on that. So whatever, uh, do better, Oscars. Come on. Anyway, so next story. This is better. This is good news. Let's let's actually, yeah, that is good. This is good news. We don't always have good news all the time anymore, <laughs> but this is good news. So uh, no one died this week. No one died that we know of this week. Um, actually, that's not true. Stan Makita passed away today. I think. Uh, Which if you, I if, love his donuts. That's that's the, people will only. If you're just a pop culture person, the only reason that name makes any sense to you is because of Wayne's World, because they go to Stan Makita's donuts. Yeah. You know, and but he passed away. He played he played hockey, famous hockey player. So he did die. I feel bad about that, 
but we still also have Wayne's World, so yes. you can go back and watch that. Hey, Mr. Dota Headman, I heard someone's trying to kill you. <laughs> well, they better not. So, um, all right. So Patrick Stewart just announced, like out of nowhere, that um, th- that there's going to be a new Star Trek series with him. <laughs> like he just just come, he basically just released a statement saying, "By the way, this is happening," and everyone's yeah. like, "What?" Like it's he's making a series on CBS uh, Direct Access that's going to be a new Star Trek series with him playing Picard. Yeah, I, I feel like you wanted to play the good news everybody thing and I interrupted No, no, it, no, no, no. Uh, no. The good news okay. is our news button and I'm like, okay. the only other one I have is hooray and hooray denied and I'm okay. like, I can't, I can't, hey everybody, this is good news. Hooray! <laughs> hooray denied! Like, I, I don't want to deny the good news. I realized that my buttons weren't going to help me here. Okay. So, yeah, um, yeah uh, you know, I'm, I'm all for this. Um, you know, we talk about Star Wars a lot on the show, but I also really enjoy Star Trek. Admittedly, I haven't seen Discovery because I'm not paying CBS to just w- watch one show. But, like, um, you know, when it comes to Next Generation, that was one of those things that I watched pretty regularly, not only, like, in my teen years, but, like, it was on, like, in syndication uh, when I was in college, too. So, like, we would throw darts and hang out or whatever some nights and just, like, hey, Star Trek's on, leave it on, you know, and... Um, I've actually wanted to go back and take another dive through the series, but again, I'm at the point now where I've got so much content to watch that, like, <laughs> I don't have time. Um, that will tie into the story that we're going to talk about next. Yeah, <laughs> but I, I absolutely would love to see what this show is going to be, and if it means that we get one more like face off between him and Q, and if they don't do it, I don't know why you wouldn't. Like, I don't. No, under- you need to bring Q back. He's you, the yeah. con of that series. Like, he's the ultimate villain. In no, my if opinion. you, if, yeah, like, and there's plenty of opportunity here to bring. I know this isn't going to be the next next generation. I get it, but if you're going to have Picard, then you better be bringing in some of those people that we know and love. Like, you know, show us an old fat data. I, I'm all about that. That's fine. Yeah. Like, I, well, what, he, what's his name now? Like, because uh, data was destroyed. Oh, before. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, maybe we'll see the, the fallout from Nemesis, uh, the last film with the Next Generation people, right? Uh, and you know, Jonathan Frakes is out there ready to, to awkwardly step over a chair and and, and sit down. <laughs> you know, like I just I had not until I saw like people put together like, like that the smash clip. cut of him always stepping over yeah. things. And I guess it's some issue with his back or something, something like that. Yeah. But he always is like doing this awkward like you know step over the chair and sit down like he's a high school guys counselor that's about to break it down <laughs> for you. But yeah, I mean, all the ca- like all the original cast is still, but the next generation cast are still around. Yeah. I think, right? Yeah, I don't think that anybody's passed. No, so and I, I mean, think they're actually all still of like, like working age. You know, like, Michael Dorn's probably already on set waiting to do this. Like, yeah, he probably has his own wharf makeup that he puts on. You know, because that's he could he could do that until he's not doesn't want to do it anymore because the makeup will just hide everything, right? Like so. Well, he was kind of like the biggest thing to come out of both. Well, out of Next he, Generation, because he, he went into to, Deep Space Nine Yeah, as well. he did, yeah. Um, and it was like a special event when he would pop up in the movies, because it's like, how did he get off of Deep Space Nine? <laughs> yeah, like, in, uh, well, it was the first contact. It's like, oh, they happened to bring him along, and yeah. they keep talking about his small ship, and he's just mad about it the entire time, yeah. <laughs> so I'm excited for, like, because, I mean, old, like, Picard was great. He's, like... Uh, Dude, seventy eight now. I didn't know that. He's like, got to be Admiral Picard at this he, point, right? Whatever, that's like, fine. I, he's he, he can't just be Captain Picard. Wasn't the the finale all good things? Didn't they show like all the different like future versions of yeah. it? Give me give me the Enterprise with a third engine. That's what I, I want to see. <laughs> like you got the two in the back, but put one in the middle. Something something that shows you that we've moved forward. But I also want this to have the aesthetic of the Star Trek Prime universe, not the like like not, it could be moved forward because time has moved forward. 
but I want that Star Trek. I don't like, I mean, and I'm sure Discovery's fine and I know it's a prequel series, but it feels like there's such a stylized difference with that stuff going on. And maybe, maybe watching it, you kind of forget about it, but it's like, I feel like it doesn't, it doesn't fit in with Trek. My, my thought of what Trek looks like. And that's just, again, my own personal, um, you know, preferred look of things. I, if this is closer to next generation, deep space nine Voyager, I'm down with that. Like yeah. I, I'm really excited for that. Yeah, and I mean, I don't know if you've uh, watched uh, All Good Things again recently. Um, and when I say recently, I feel like it was around when the first um, new Star Trek came out. So like 2009, I, I got a box set that was just the Q episodes of Star Trek. Okay, so is he's he's probably my favorite villain. And I remember rewatching that and being like, Jesus, this is. Like, this is by far actually not only just one of the best episodes that they did, I think it's actually one of the best, like, finales they have ever done for a show. Not just Star Trek, but I think it's one of the best finales we've ever seen. That's why that Ronald D. Moore wrote that, and that's why I'm so pissed off of what he did with the end of Battlestar Galactica, because <laughs> I'm just like, you, you stuck the landing, you know how to do this, and then you're like, your own series that you're shepherding. Why? Yeah, anyway, that's that's not that's not this whole thing. But, but that's that's the thing. Like maybe I understand not wanting to do Q because you're like we don't want to ruin that great episode. But no, bring he's, him, like, he's, don't bring him in the first episode. But you got to have Q because with because like, Q was always he was this omni you know omnipotent presence that liked that liked challenging Picard because Picard wasn't afraid of Q and would stand toe to toe with him on a logic and and um like a um moral like he would have the he would have the discussion right like and i like that because Q all he could do is snap his fingers and Picard's gone like there's there's yeah. no as as a he as enjoyed, a threat like jousting with him like, yeah. yeah and and because I mean, other other than finding something of interest to me, Hughes is bored. I think is the whole thing, right? So <laughs> you got to bring him back. Um, yeah, I think that would be. I'm excited, and then you know, bring in Captain Archer too, like Scott Bakula. Just have him leap into the series somewhere. I know he's like 150 years before, but that's fine. <laughs> I don't care. I just I just want more of the Star Trek I like. I mean, the sense not not that it's comfort food. But there's a reason why that stuff works the way it does, you know? Well, it's like, a classic series. Like, yeah. as much as the original series is a classic series, we're at a point now where Next Generation is a classic series. And I would say the same about Deep Space Nine. Like, I feel like yeah. if they were to get, um, oh, I feel like his last name is Brooks, Avery Brooks. Avery Brooks, yeah. And got him to come in, you know, uh, uh, play his character again, yeah, whose name it, escapes it, me for some reason. Um, um, oh, shoot. Uh, I, like I can remember his actor's I, name, I, but I can't. Say, uh, I like that you remember the actor's name, but... Uh, um, Oh shoot, Cisco. Yeah, yes. <laughs> yeah, but then also get Janeway to show up a little bit because she was showed up in a Nemesis like on a com screen. You know, like, yeah, she does. Just, she pops d- up. Uh, just get me all the old captains <laughs> together again. <laughs> but yeah, I, don't, I mean, it's exciting, and the fact that uh, Stewart's down to do this again because I know there was a time he wanted to get away from it because I mean that's all it was, and then I also think that he wanted to go and and do something different because as much as he likes the character and appreciates it it was syndicated television yeah. you know so but it's only gotten bigger in, in his absence i know, know initially so. he didn't think it was gonna make it past first season so that's why he took the job <laughs> and also try making him wear a wig too and then <laughs> 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 yeah so as long as he gets to play more of the flute and uh you know whatever that's, that's fine so we're excited so cbs all access you're starting to give me reasons to maybe yeah. check it out also the jordan peele twilight zone is starting to shoot this year so we'll oh is that gonna be a cbs access show yeah okay which cool for streaming service but it's like cbs you don't have the confidence that that could actually be 
on your network. But, oh, yeah, that's right. It's not a cop show, and it's not a, a fat comedian with a hot wife. I'm sorry. Or it's not a bunch of 40-year-old nerds making nerd jokes. I'm sorry. So I can't exist. Uh, whatever. Isn't anyway. that this podcast? Yeah, well... <laughs> I'm kidding. No, no. It's, I, all right, I, we're, I just deflated Paul. We're, oops. We're done now. We're done. We're done. That's it. It's been a nice ride. So I'm taking my bag load of references and I'm out of here. My, my references and my irony and my hate towards everything. Anyway, no. So, all right. That's that. Uh, moving on. Next week on Invasion of the Podcast. podcast nothing, nothing. Nothing. That's it. Existence is pain. This is the last episode. Sorry, guys. So, I ruined it. Uh, good news. But also, there's a caveat here. So the good news is, we've known for a couple of weeks now that Batwoman was going to be a series they announced for CW, um, and that they're going to introduce the character in the the new CW Arrowverse crossover, whatever. They they all the shows on the uh, the CW Arrow, Legends of Tomorrow, Flash, Supergirl have this crossover thing they do every season where all four shows interact, and it's fun. But they're going to introduce Batwoman in this crossover this year. So they now announced today um, who was going to be playing Batwoman, or they announced it a couple days ago. Yeah. Uh, Ruby Rose will be playing Batwoman. And that, I think that's really good casting because uh, uh, it's just that the, the current iteration of Batwoman in the comics is uh, she, she is a, um, a lesbian. Yeah. Which, I mean, that's not the defining characteristic. It's just that, that is what Bat- Batwoman, that's one part of Batwoman. Yeah. And it's a different, and in a world full of male superheroes that is all this, like, you know, however you want to describe it. She's different, and, mm-hmm. and 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 she's fighting, you know, the good fight, and also on probably a lot of different fronts. Well, yeah. yeah, I mean, it's also it's just it's a nice way of like we've gotten a lot of the same when it comes to our superheroes. This is a way to be like, hey, there are other characters. I mean, uh, Supergirl's sister on Supergirl is she's also lesbian. Okay, so like it's just a nice way of them having a little bit more representation, um, and I'm all for that. My only caveat with this is is that I'm at a point now where. Um, somebody had mentioned on my Facebook, they're like, oh, hey, you know, Cloak and Dagger's really good. And I'm like, I can't do another show. <laughs> like, I'm so far behind at this point. Like, yeah. but I'm going to end up watching this. I know I'm going well, to because it's Batwoman. Because it, it, it has Bat in the title. So Steve's already in. No, and like, I, and I'm, I'm not all that familiar with Ruby Rose. She was in John Wick 2. She played uh, a mute assassin that okay. was. Uh, Really cool, really cool character. Uh, so obviously, I've never really heard her talk because she played mute. But you know, whatever. Yeah. Um, but it's she just physically and and also just from a standpoint, like she just doesn't look like your typical. Like if this was something that was announced ten years ago, the casting would have been way different. You know, so good on them. Good on them for more like closer representing the character in the comic. And I guess this character, as we know her, has been. Uh, in DC for over 10 years now, the way that they've been presenting it. So this isn't like a sudden sea change and then trying to capitalize on it. So I like that. I think that's cool. And also when you talk about superheroes in general, the biggest like through line through all that is that, you know, that they're different, but they need to be accepted. So like, you know, you, you put all your chips in the middle here, like just put up and shut up and do something different, you know? So it does make me wonder why DC is going with its own streaming network because it's like, CW at this point really is the DC why channel. Why can't like, they just? Yeah, yeah, that's it. Just and CW has their own little streaming net uh, app. So just you know, just make it. Just call it DCW and then just move on and just <laughs> you know. And then whatever shows that you currently have, give them a couple comic books to adaptations to go with it, and no, no one would know the difference. Like yeah. honestly, you know, like and that'd be fine. 
But yeah. Um, so yeah, I'm I'm excited to see what they do with it. I'm I re- actually really like that costume as well. Um, the artist I think who created it was J.H. Uh, Williams, who's a wonderful artist as well. Um, and um, I hope they stick with that visual because it's a very striking. It's a it's mainly a black and red costume, mm-hmm. but it looks great in the comics. So I'm hoping they go towards that uh, visually. I'm sure they'll they'll lean into that and then whatever makes whatever functionally works best for television as well. But yeah. the CW costumes all look relatively okay. Like. Yeah. Uh, I mean, obviously, Arrow has evolved over time, and, and there's a, there's a story reason for that. The Flash costume looked pretty good from the start. Like yeah. I liked it. Uh, some of the Legends of Tomorrow stuff was a little goofy, but it was like like um, the Adam. Like, but it still works. Like I like it. You the know, Adam like, on that show though is kind of just poor man's Iron Man. Like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we gotta give him something more to do than just get small. All yeah, right, right, how yeah. about uh, you know yeah. we give him repulsors and stuff like that? Yeah. So. And so, yeah, it, this would be great. So CW, I, honestly, they haven't really had a misstep yet. They've they've done some course correcting when things weren't going so hot, but they've never they they haven't really missed, you know. So, the yeah. Laurel Lance miniseries is coming. So, <laughs> yeah, it, it's just basically demon in a bottle for like <laughs> it's just gonna be her just being sad. Um, yeah, but, but this it has to be a flashback because she's dead, right? And yeah. the series, yeah, whatever. Anyway. Although the only thing that I'll, uh, the last thing I'll say is yeah. is that it's it's interesting to me that they still decided to keep black um, black lightning. I almost said black panther, black lightning, separate from the other shows because um, he's in his own world. He's not like. I guess Supergirl technically takes place on her own Earth as well. Yeah. Um, but I, 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 it's the one thing where I'm like, why didn't they just make Black Lightning a part of that world as well? Well, and they, so the first season, because the show wasn't originally supposed to be on the CW, it was an, it was an NBC project, I think, something like that. Or Fox. I think Fox was supposed to do it. For so. Black Lightning? Yeah. Or, okay. yeah. Um, Supergirl's first season was on CBS. CBS. Yeah. yeah. So Black Lightning was actually intended to be for another network. So a lot of the production was put in place for another network. So that's why I said the first season there's not going to be anything. And I guess they said the second season there's going to actually open it up a little bit and actually include a little bit more. But I think this, and you've watched Black Lightning a little mm-hmm. bit of it. I've not. And I, again, I have two more episodes to finish. And I'm so behind on everything, but I've heard it's awesome. Yeah. And, and I feel like maybe part of the reason that show works is that it doesn't get, it doesn't need to be tied up in the bigger CW uh, universe. Well, that's, that's the only thing that uh, I think that the show hurts a little bit is, is that they, they cram a lot of uh, exposition into like the, the show setting it up and like i wish they'd sl- not slow down but i wish they would have taken a little bit more time packing in as much as they did but maybe they only thought they were going to get one season so like let's do as much as we possibly can yeah um but yeah i would i would say that uh black lightning um of the shows that of the cw shows last year i think it was definitely and i i haven't watched arrow um still making my through flash but I, I definitely think it was one of their top efforts last year nice so. all right so Excited for Batwoman, um, but then again, we're we're living in an age of gluttony in terms of uh, of good superhero TV shows. Yeah, like, I, I, I I haven't finished Jessica Jones season two. I haven't started Luke Cage season two. Yeah, I haven't. I haven't finished Punisher. Me neither. I st- I watched the first episode of Punisher, and I so I need to finish. I, so I need to finish Punisher. I need to watch Jessica Jones season two, Luke Cage season two, uh, I, season one of Cloak and Dagger, The Gifted. I'm gonna maybe check it out, see how I feel about it. Uh, there's a Legion season that uh, I've not seen yet. Uh, what else, superhero-wise? Runaways we talked about for a second before yeah. we started recording on Hulu. I heard that's supposed to be awesome. Have not seen that. Yeah, there's still a lot of stuff. And then there's still that New Warriors 
uh, half hour show they're talking about kicking around bringing in like the comedy version more with Squirrel Girl and everybody else. Oh my god, I forgot about yeah, that. Yeah, it's still out there somewhere. So um, I I will watch that too whenever it shows up. I guess you know because I'm a glutton. But yeah, I mean, all... I guess I gave up on the ABC shows. I didn't watch. Oh Humans. yeah, Agents of Shield. I, I am. That's I gave up on it's funny. Agents of Shield. I'm actually caught up on Agents of Shield. That's the one that I'm like, I'm good. I've watched. You don't all have of Agents it. of Shield talk. I yeah. haven't watched it in like three years. But yeah. all right. I, I didn't get to finish all of Agent Carter season two, which that's still out there. Like, yeah, see, Agent Carter was a show that I, I still don't understand why it didn't continue. I mean, uh, I guess it didn't do well enough to continue, yeah. but like, I really loved Agent Carter. I would have loved to see more. Yeah, and uh, in humans, I'm never going to watch. So, yeah, <laughs> <that's> like, <laughs> I don't care how cool Lockjaw looked. I'm not doing it. So, all right. Anyway, uh, yeah. So um, that's that's it for news. Let's get on to uh, possible conflicting feelings about the Dark Tower. And now for our feature presentation. So you may be wondering, um, like, uh, why would why would Paul choose to talk about a film that came out almost a year ago to the day? We're uh, celebrating its first yeah, anniversary. Yeah, we are. We are. And uh, so, why why wait until now? And when why I forced Steve to watch this? So and I think it was my idea, though. Maybe, maybe I don't. I just. Was it your idea to watch The Dark Tower? I think so, oh. because I had suggested it simply because of the fact that you'd read the books and I had. Oh, okay. So then, so, so Steve's idea. So thank you, Steve, for the idea. That's why. That's what so I apparently punished yeah. Paul. No, no, no. Um, <laughs> so um, I just want to set this up with the context of the conversation of the, 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 we are going to be discussing the movie where we talk about how we feel about it, but this discussion isn't necessarily about the movie itself. And it's not going to be, it's not going to be an encompassing look at the Dark Tower series. Um, and it's going to be more about expectations uh, versus what you bring into a film. That's going to be the conversation. And I think that's a much more interesting conversation because I feel like a lot of times because we um, are so aware of like what's in the theater, if it's based on a, like a property, people have expectations. Mm-hmm. So the, the conversation is going to be about a film on its own uh, versus like without the baggage of its previous history existing. And you could you could use this with almost any other property too, like any comic book movie, like Hellboy. I know varies greatly from the comic source material with the two films. Um, I've never really read those comics, so I, I just have the movies and what I enjoy about them. So okay, it, so that's kind of the context. So uh, I guess I just want to open up with Steve. You 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 did all you really know about the Dark Tower is that it existed, and you bought a, a compilation of issues. At Wizard World from the comic book series that Marvel put out, but you've not read them. Yeah, I mean, um, they're drawn by Jay Lee, who's an artist that I love, and the price was right. And I was and like, oh, you know, this might not be a bad way for me to dip my toe into the water. And a lot of the books are written by Peter David, so yeah. you can't be, you can't really go wrong with with that setup. Yeah. So, all right, I'm going to let you kind of start off here. Uh, you watched the movie pretty much blind. Um, how do you feel about it? So. I, I was gonna make a stupid joke about uh, that. I watched it with my eyes open and not blind. Um, but uh, so when it comes down to the film, as, as like my overall feeling on it, I thought it was a okay movie. Like I didn't think it was terrible. Um, I didn't think it was great. Um, but I thought that like if it was a movie that just you know was the HBO movie of the week or whatever, and I sat down and watched it, I'd be like, yeah, it was okay. I'm glad I didn't see it in the theater. But like. <laughs> I thought it was okay. Like, it, there's nothing in it that I thought was terrible. Um, the things that I did think that didn't work so well was is that I never really got a good 
feeling of what the tower was or why it's important other than it's the name of the movie yeah you see it like three times yeah um but uh you know the the cast is you know a well put together cast the acting's uh good you know when you've got idris alba 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 (laughs) and uh um you know matthew mcconaughey hey hey um you know, you're probably going to get something at least decent with your acting, and the kid's actually really good in the story as well. Yeah, um, Tom Taylor is the kid who played who played Jake. Yeah. yeah. Um, my overall issues with it, like I said, never really quite got a clear picture of what the Dark Tower was. Um, I wished that, and this may be something that was from the books, so you know, perhaps they kept it this way, but. The end fight is a bit anticlimactic in the sense that, like, it's just Matthew McConaughey doing, like, oh, I'm going to create, like, uh, like, he's, like, I don't know, it's like a sorcerer fight in a gunfighter. Like, it doesn't make a whole lot of sense. I would have liked to have seen it been, like, just a bare-knuckle brawl between the two, maybe over a gun that, you know, they're trying to, you know, each are just trying to get to kill the other one, or something a little bit more down-to-earth as opposed to it being a little bit more metaphysical. It, it felt very much like a Star Wars fight. Yeah. Like, and I'm not saying that a negative, it's just... Yeah, there, there's just that sequence with uh, McConaughey like holding all the glass in front of him, and yeah. it was just like you know. It reminded me of Bullseye and Daredevil, where he's got the stack of glass and he's <laughs> like spinning it and throwing it at Daredevil. Um, Are you referencing the film? I've yes. never seen the Daredevil. Oh, film. okay. Well, there's a, there's a moment very similar to that I, in the Daredevil film. Oh, um, it's not really selling me on it. I don't know. <laughs> But um, my last critique is is just, and this is more of a critique against uh, modern films, is uh, a lot of times I think directors these days, and maybe it's because they're doing so much visually in CGI, um, they seem to have forgotten that like just because it's night doesn't mean that we can't not see every see things. Like there's a scene in the middle of the movie where they're in the woods and it's at night, and this demon thing pops up and Idris Elba has to fight him. Long story short, I spent half of it trying to like A, follow the action because it was so dark, the picture frame. Yeah. B, uh, I couldn't make out what the monster was because it was like a gelat not gelatinous, it was like a smoke monster almost that kept appearing and reappearing and then I don't know. Like I, I couldn't track the action, and it felt like the only color that we got on screen was blue. Um, at that point, and it certainly like there were a lot of times where I couldn't see the actors' faces. Yeah. Um, and again, that may maybe that was intentional, and they were like, you know, we want it to be as dark as possible, but it just it it didn't read well. I actually shut the light off, lights off and watched it a second time. So this was like maybe it's that it's just too bright in the room and i it did help when i did that yeah but i can't think of a lot of other movies where i'm like i gotta turn the lights off because you know like halloween for instance is all at night and i can make everything out clearly in that film so that's just a personal no criticism on my part though um with the other two major action set pieces in the film, and this is just from a technical standpoint, the the attack on the village at nighttime with the fires burning. How did you feel about that? I thought, from a visual storytelling standpoint, did you did that flow much better for you than that demonic whatever that was out? Yeah, the that okay. did work a lot better. Okay. Um, and then and the big finale and the the Dixie Pig. What did you think about that sequence of uh, Roland versus the world? I mean, it, it it was that was okay as well. Okay. There was nothing that like blew me over, but like I just I I don't like be, having to stop a movie because I can't make out the action. Like that's no, for I me, agree. that's a I, problem I, with the storytelling, not a problem with me. So, so. I, another question for you then too, since since you they didn't really 
they didn't really make you give a shit about the tower. Like, like uh, it's explained in the movie what it is. Um, and then it's explained that um, Idris Elba's character, Roland, is the, you know, the guardian of the tower. Did you really get the feeling the entire time that that was his stated goal? Like, it was, people told him that's what he was. Yeah. Did he really act like a, like a protector of the tower? No, because he wants vengeance for his father. Yeah. Like, so that's, it's just, that's the whole, it's, that's his whole, like, through line for the film. And I thought it was really odd that, like, you know, we're given Dennis Haysburg as as his father. Yeah. Um, for like a minute and a half. Yeah, like, it's unfortunate because he's an awesome actor. Yeah. And, and it's great. To, I mean, it was cool to see him pop up, though. It's like, yeah. that was, yeah. But I was just, I, I don't know. I, I felt like, you know, obviously, you know, it's, it's simply there to give weight to his character arc. But at the same time, I'm like, I wish we would have gotten to know that character so that, you know, we might have felt the impact of his loss a little bit more. Yeah. And the other, so another question I want to ask for you. Uh, did you feel that uh, Matthew McConaughey's character, the man in black, uh, whatever they called him, he had a name in the movie. But he's, I'll, get to, I'll get to why that's not important so much to me later. Uh, did you ever get the sense that, like, he was working towards a higher purpose other than the destruction of the tower? No. I mean, so uh, that was the other thing that I thought was odd about the film structurally was is that the entire movie is just literally him for no reason being not a step behind them, but like for no reason at all being like, oh, well, they're, uh, you know, on Earth, I'm going to uh, go over here, which or, you know, they're on our world now. I'm going to go to Earth like the whole movie is just it's not even him tracking them so much as it is just him like talking to his underlings about why they let the kid get away and then um you don't even understand why he's so hot to like piss roland off throughout most of the movie like he doesn't have much of an agenda other than being the bad guy i guess is the best way for me to put it and he's never it's like they keep them apart just simply so that they don't have to have a showdown early in the film like yeah that's fair um so okay um so can i ask one question of you no no, please please this is the only thing i wanted to ask as far as the actual Stephen King universe that's presented in this film. Is The Shining a part of the Dark Tower books? Because I'm like, wow, they're really using the word shine a lot in this movie. It is. Okay. Uh, so, okay. So let me, I'll, I'll um, before I get into my feelings about the movie, I, I want to give a little bit, just a little bit of foundation in the terms of what the series is, not getting to the, like the broad strokes of the story that might happen during this talk, but more of to explain my coming into this. And then I'll explain a little bit of that too. So the Dark Tower uh, is a series of novels um, that, it uh, so first I just gotta say the man in black fled across the desert and the gunslinger followed. I, I love that line and it shows up in the film, and it's awesome line. That's how the book series starts. It's a great way to start the series off, right? Anyway, yeah. so uh, the there is there's seven books. Um, however, there, actually there's eight books. Stevie King went a little like he likes writing and then being like, by the way, we're gonna add more. He, he, so it's a little out of order. And I'll explain why. So the Dark Tower was a series of short stories that he started tooling around with uh, in the late 70s. Uh, the Gunslinger was uh, was published in 78, and these are the names of the short stories. The Waystation, uh, April 1980, Oracle in the Mountains, February 81, The Slow Mutants, July 81, and The Gunslinger and the Dark Man, November of 81. Those stories were compiled together in a book called The Gunslinger, The Dark Tower of The Gunslinger, uh, in 1982. Um, so... It was just kind of like him. These are this he he his main inspirations were the Lord of the Rings and the Good, the Bad, and the Ugly. 
Uh, and there's also a Robert Browning poem called, uh, what was it? Uh, Child Roland and the Dark Tower Came, I think is the name of the poem. And he obviously latched onto that and he wanted to, he wanted an American uh, fantasy Western. Like he wanted the epic scope of Lord of the Rings, but he wanted it set in like that gritty, like he, he viewed Roland as like Clint Eastwood, okay. like the man with no name, like, you know. And so anyway, so that he did that. So then that was 82. Those stories were collected. In 85, he released book two. Uh, in 91, he put out book three, uh, book four in 97, uh, book five in 2003, uh, which was right after he got hit by a van. So he finally started stepping up his game because he thought he was going to die and not finish the series. Book six and book seven come out in 2004. Then he goes uh, eight years later and writes a book that fits between books four and five. It's book 4.5. So I, whatever, you know, <laughs> that's fine. So um, this this you, know, you go from 82 from the first publishing to 2004. That's over 20 years for these books. And so um, my coming into this was I grew up reading Stephen King because my mom – she was a big reader. She thought my older brother would be the reader in the family. That wasn't true, but I was the one picking up all the books and reading them. I was reading Stephen King stuff I probably shouldn't have been reading while I was in middle school. So I read The Dark Tower, The Drawing of the Three, and The Wastelands, and then um, Wizard and Glass, which is book four, came out when I was in college. So I was really excited that finally, it was eight years. The next book's finally come out. It's eight years. That means he's close to finishing the series. Then I had to wait another six years. And then, like, and it was one of those things where it's like, it was so. Roland and company had been in my head for so long that when you finally, you know, so I finished the series, right? So, and I loved it. And, and there's obviously, I have, I have my own nitpicks about the series, but I, I think it's great. I think Roland is a character. I absolutely love the gunslinger. I have something about his, he's very stoic. And I also like that he, he's kind of weirdly grounded, but also weirdly aloof at the same time. And I think in the film, I just Elba did a good job of that of like very driven, but then there's times where he would say things you're like, I don't, what have you seen in your life? You know, like, yeah. th- so I like that. So anyway, um, there's that, um, you, you may not be aware. And when you mentioned the shining, uh, here's other books that are all connected to the dark tower universe. And I'll oh, explain okay. how this goes. Uh, Salem's lot was connected to it. The stand, uh, did you see the Stan miniseries from years ago? I oddly enough have not. It's not. It doesn't hold up well. But the main bad guy in there, his name's Randall Flag, who is the Man in Black. So the Man in Black keeps showing up in multiple Stephen King stories with different names. Which is funny because I I have a the Stand comic that uh, Marvel put out as well that uh, I got at Carolyn John's like it was like super dirt cheap and I really like the art. So I'm like, well, I'm like it was like five bucks or less. So I picked that up. I'm like I've never read the Stand, but. I'm going to pick up this comic, yeah. and I still haven't dove into that yet either. So, yeah, The Man in Black's in that. Uh, the Talisman, uh, which is a book he co-wrote with um, Peter uh, Str- Strub. Str- yeah, anyway, uh, that's, that's that's the right name. Good book, really good book. It is also tied into... Oh, I didn't know um, that. Which, so to speak to the movie, when they're walking around the remnants of a theme park, you saw the big marquee at Pennywise, right? Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, I just thought that was a cheeky, like... It, 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 it is, but it isn't, because... So um, the tower itself is a construct in terms of, like, the story, is that it is it is the very thing that holds all of reality together. And by all of reality, meaning all realities together. And there's different levels to the tower, so... Um, there's a lot of good and bad with the tower and something like Pennywise, whatever you want to call it, the deadlights, 
things like it exist at lower levels of the tower over these realities. So it is tied into the Dark Tower. Okay. Uh, there's a fantasy book Stephen King wrote for his daughter called The Eyes of the Dragon that's actually quite good. It's more of a fan, like a fairy tale. The Man in Black's in that as well. Uh, Insomnia, which is not the film with Robin Williams. Uh, that's the first time. Uh, that's another question I want to ask for you too. You saw you saw the Man in Black, and you saw various graffiti. And I cannot remember while watching the movie, did they mention the Crimson King whatsoever in the film? I don't remember them mentioning the Crimson he, King. So that's supposed to be like the overall like Sauron of like the series, like you know, like the. I mean, maybe they did, and I just didn't catch it. I don't. But think, I don't remember. In some it. of the deleted scenes, they mentioned it. So I think, and I'll, I'll talk about this in a second. I think they, when they went back to retool the film, they stripped a lot of that out. But there's graffiti of the angry red eye that you see in the film, like it was marking the location of the Dixie Pig. There was like you see that angry eye. There, so that's the Crimson King his marking. Um, so th- that's first time he's mentioned insomnia. Rose Matter in there too. Uh, desperation, the regulators. Um, well, I'll, spoiler, I'm going to talk about regulators on another show I do. Um, we'll tease that <laughs> at the end of the show because it ties into what Steve and I are going to be doing tomorrow. Uh, Bag of Bones, Hearts of Atlantis, I want to bring up. Remember that film with Anthony Hopkins, Hearts of Atlantis? Yes. I have not seen the film. I don't know why. I just never saw it. There's a short story. There's a part of the book called The Low Men in the Yellow Coats. It's referring to these people that kind of like they wear skin, but they're kind of animals underneath oh well that's a big part of them yeah which they're called the tahine which they kind of mention in passing in the movie like quickly so the first time you hear of the tahine is in this hearts of Atlantis book and then they show up in like books like uh six seven and eight of the dark tower or whatever which is funny because when you mention uh, hearts of Atlantis, i always confuse it with the one movie that uh like just i think it was recently we were watching uh the brad pitt movie where uh he gets killed at the end by like walking into the street and, oh like, meet joe black yeah. Yeah, yeah yeah i don't yeah. know why i confuse those movies but like so um and i'm almost done here I, the, my point is is that the dark tower spreads across a lot of king's work uh there's a book called black house it's a sequel to the talisman they wrote with uh peter straub um which we first hear about the breakers and they never ever ever call the kids with the shine and the movie breakers but that's what they are they're beam breakers okay and they don't really get into that movie. They, Roland once mentions a beam quake, but they don't really explain what the kids do. Okay. And they're breakers. They have psychic ability, and then they force them into undoing these beams that are holding the tower together. When So when Roland draws the picture of the spoked wheel with the tower in the middle, he's, he, there's beams there, but they never talk about them in the film. But they're, yeah. yeah so, uh, and then the last book is uh, from a Buick 8, which that was a weird book, but whatever. So there is a, like, you know, this idea this tower all these connections run across a lot of king's work um so i've read i've read all of this (laughs) over these years here here's the part that i'm going to tell you that's going to kind of like uh trip you up the film is supposed to be a sequel to the book series wait what yeah this is the dark tower film is a sequel to the seven books so and they did this because, and here, to get into this a little bit further, and I'm sorry for people that are probably bored for me talking about a movie that they probably didn't watch and books they may not have read, so good luck. I have to imagine there's some Stephen King fans, and not me, Stephen King. I, but I think like, there's probably both. I think people, there's probably, <laughs> they, 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 they like both Stephen King. Uh, so um, the, whole, the whole line, of, you know, the, the man in black fled across the desert, the gunslinger followed. Uh, that's the way the series starts. You get through all of everything that happened in the Dark Tower, all the sacrifices that Roland had, all the people he's lost. Um, See, I yes. thought this was supposed to be an adaptation. So, it, it, so I'll explain. So here, all right. 
Do you know why they are called spoilers? If you've not read the books and have any interest whatsoever, just ignore what I'm about to say. Skip right past it. I'll try to concise it within a minute or so. Uh, he gets to the tower and he finds out that he has the realization that he's, he's done this many times before and each time it's that he's been missing something. So the end of the series is him at the very beginning, the man in black fled across the desert and the gunslinger followed. There is an item that he, it's called the horn of Eld and it's like he had had it on his journey, but lost it in a earlier, earlier in his travels uh, during the course of the original book series. And because he needed that to complete the journey, the book series ends with him in the exact same spot he was when you first pick up the book series. And he doesn't, he isn't, he doesn't remember again. Like he's on his path to find the man in black, but he has the horn of Eld with him. So it's like, you kind of get the idea that maybe this, this, this time around the wheel will be his last. And if you notice in the movie, when they draw the dark tower with all the spokes, it looks like a wheel. And there's a concept that is mentioned in the deleted scenes again, but it's never mentioned in the film called Ka. And it's their idea of fate being a constantly turning wheel. So the whole the whole thing is Roland's pretty much on this almost never-ending journey, and it's always this time around again and again and again trying to complete this journey to the Dark Tower. So the movie is a sequel. It's supposed to be the very end? Well, n- I don't know. Or just one but, of the versions of him going through the, the so motions of... This was, this was the way that the movie studio that Sony and Stephen King and company all came up with, and the people that wrote the film and the director, to pitch this to an audience to give them a little bit of faith that what they're going to see uh, is different and, and with the expectation of, hey, we're not going to do a direct, literal um, adaptation of the books. So in some of the early marketing, they showed the Horn of Eld saying hey, like a hashtag of like one more time around or whatever, signaling to the fans like he has the horn. This is the continuation of that journey. So they don't have to tell the same story. Okay. Does that kind of make sense? That like, does. Yeah. But while you're talking about how intricate the books are, A, you know, yes, I did not know that this was supposed to be a continuation beyond the books. But also, B, like, this sounds like it's particularly in, in the, like, way that we've, you know, watched things like Game of Thrones and, um, you know, we're kind of built now for these large maxi series for things that can't be contained to film. Mm-hmm. This sounds like it would have been better had it been a TV series. So the plan was, and it's still being talked about, is that you had the one film and then a season of television, another film, a season of television, and then a third film. And they were going to use the series, like the prolonged format of however many episodes with to an tell. Actual, with actual Idris Elba? Like- I, that, well, I'm not sure because... Okay. One of the one of the seasons was supposed to deal with, with actual Idris Elba. Well, I just no, and also that, like, and, and, well, and Matthew McConaughey. Yeah. I, I don't know for sure if either one of them are committed to the TV portion of <laughs> okay. it. Okay, Idris Elba should be because like I mean, the fake like, Idris Elba. Yeah, you know, it, it's that guy. I you caught know? myself. Yeah. Sorry, I, um, we've we've gotten Idris Elba. It's just, it's a, yeah. it's close, <laughs> but not quite. Um, so the fourth book of the series called um, Wizard and Glass, which is my favorite of the series and probably the favorite of most is basically a, a story that Roland's telling his, his uh, traveling group that they call a quartet because they're all formed together by fate. I know it's whatever. And he's telling the story about like his first real, one of his first real missions out um, working on behalf of being a gunslinger. So he just was like a freshly minted gunslinger with his two buddies and they're out trying to do whatever and save the day. And it's this wonderful story of like his coming of age and a lot of what defines Roland happened during the story. I know it's very emotional. <laughs> um, Sorry, I got yeah, joking. Folks. Yeah, uh, 
And so the TV series is supposed to possibly dig into that backstory. So you could have a, a younger actor play that part. Uh, the Man in Black is, is does play into that a little bit. Weirdly enough, too, uh, in in the film The Dark Tower, Matthew McConaughey very much like the um, the evil witch in The Wizard of Oz uses various orbs to do different things, and those are directly from the books. It's just like the pink one that he was looking through to see what was going on with Roland is directly from Wizarding Glass, and then the black one that he was using to mess with Roland is also from a later book. So it's weird how they're getting these these details in this film, but they're just taking them out of order. So it's like they, they took so basically uh, what I what I what after watching the film and realizing how like I if I sat with you and we watched the second time I and it would bore you to death I'd be like the, none of this follows any order in the book pretty much and even like the characterization of Jake is different how they meet is different um, there's a lot of things in it that just are out of whack. But there's also these weirdly specific things they bring in that are very accurate to the books and I don't understand how this movie does both things at the same time of leaving so much unexplained and then getting really, really exact with some stuff. Yeah. It was bizarre to me. Um, so since this being a sequel, I had to come in with this knowledge of the series that I read and have loved, you know, for 20 years and then know that this is only going to be a 90 minute movie that's supposedly telling like a number of different, like major overarching stories uh, from uh, like, you know, thousands of pages. So I had trepidation, <laughs> just to say the yeah. least. Um, I I watched it. I didn't hate it. Like I mean, and that, that sounds like a backwards like compliment. There's a lot of it I liked actually, the uh, fair amount. Um, I have to give credit to the director and Nicolaj Arcel. I think we've determined that's how you say his name, and I apologize because it is an odd name. He, I don't think anybody could have made a perfect dark tower like film, like in, in like a, a two half hour, two and a half hour film that is encapsulating everything that the series is. I don't, I think that's, I think you're setting yourself up to fail. I think you were right talking about this should have been a marquee type of like multiple seasons television series on HBO, which at one point they were talking about that, that would have given more time for the world to breathe. But I kind of, after watching it, I thought about a couple things. One, um, there was the movie actually looked really good. Like the cinematography of that film and the location shooting was amazing in that film. There's some parts of, of uh, where they were in South Africa, where they were like some of the areas where they were walking across the desert or whatever. Beautiful. The, yeah. the beautiful looking film. Uh, Idris Elba is amazing as Roland. I loved him as Roland. Uh, and McConaughey is the man in black, even though he really didn't always know his motives. I liked him. Like he really chewed up the scenery at times. And I thought that was great. Yeah. He was scary. Like, and just the way he could just look, look at people and just be like, stop breathing and just like move on with like creepy. Right. Awesome. Um, I, I don't know how we, we talk about, uh, the Marvel cinematic universe and how do you, what do you do to tell a good Marvel movie when you have years and years and years and hundreds of issues of comics? I think you have to distill it down to the spirit and the tone and tell one good story, right? I don't know if the Dark Tower necessarily reaches that, but I think that it hews closer to someone like yourself that hasn't read the books. And if I say, hey, here's a 90-minute movie that introduces you to these, a lot of these concepts, would you be interested in learning more about it? I think it's almost that gateway that some of these Marvel movies are for people that like this stuff. Mm -hmm. That's the one way I could equate it. The other way I could equate it, too, is um, people love the film Labyrinth. 
It's 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 a good movie. It has problems, but it's it's a it's a fun movie. It's its own world. It does a lot of things that you're like, I don't know how this operates, but David Bowie's awesome, so we're going to move on with it. And you just kind of forget a lot of it. You just enjoy the ride and you enjoy the experience. I, I almost kind of put this movie in that category too of just like there's going to be things that that you're going to ask questions about and it's never going to give you answers for. But do you enjoy enough of it that? if you didn't carry the expectations of 20 years of reading and loving and building your own headcanon about what you think this film was going to be, can, can you like this on its own? That's, that was my problem. And I didn't know if, so I don't hate it. And I liked it. I mean, it's not, it's not my favorite movie. Um, but there was, there was much more working for me that I enjoyed than it worked against. Mm -hmm. So, but I don't know why people are so easy or so quick to not give this a pass when people get excited for Spider-Man homecoming or something where it's like how many Spider-Man stories have been told. Right. Like, and and how many times has the vulture been involved? We got a different take on the vulture. People are like, nah, it's fine. It works for the movie. I mean, there's probably people out there that are angry that it's not Larry David in a vulture suit attacking (laughs) Spider-Man. That's pretty much now that you vul- said that, I kind of wish it was Larry David in a vulture suit. But that's pretty much Spider-Man. what the vulture is in the comics. Well, originally, right? It was just yeah. an, like it was it's Mr. Burns a- in a bird suit attacking Spider-Man. <laughs> but we got, oh, but I we got an interesting, yeah. But we got an interesting take, and no one really questioned it, right? Yeah. Like, uh, so I and I, so. In the same way that um, people have had shown like their own personal what they believe Star Wars should be, Star Wars isn't yours. Just you can take it or leave it. You can enjoy what you want. You can say, "Hey, maybe I didn't like this," and and trust the powers that be that they're going to bring you something else. But it's not yours. The Dark Tower is not mine. No matter how much money I've spent on books, how much time I thought about it, how I how many characters of World of Warcraft I've named after Dark Tower things, and it's true. We'll talk. Like, that's not important, but. That, like when I'm like, what should my character's name be? I don't know. Let me look up all the different characters of Dark Tower. <laughs> and it's, it's because it's a series I love. And also, how many Lord of the Rings characters are running around World of Warcraft? Like how many freaking, um, what's the name of the elf? The main elf from Lord of the Rings. Legolas? Yeah. How many Legolas are there in World of Warcraft? Probably one million. Like yeah. they're all spelled differently and they all have weird characters and number, not numbers and symbols just to spell Legolas because you can't think of another elf name on your own. So anyway, I... I don't know. Like this was a challenging thing for me in a good way because I'm trying to put it in, put it in its own place. And I think I think it can be put in its own place. Do I hope that maybe we get more and it gets better in terms of like what there's a lot of cool details in the books that obviously they didn't bring into the movie and I hope they do. Yeah. There's a lot of important characters. Uh, Roland and Jake are only uh, two of like five main characters that are going on this journey. Um, like there's a, a kid, uh, what's his name? His name's Eddie. Uh, I forget his last name. Eddie Dean. Think of Aaron Paul from Breaking Bad kind of like, you know, like imagine Aaron Paul with that kind of attitude and kind of like needs to be knocked down a couple pegs, but is generally a good person. That's Eddie Dean. And we never got to see him in the film. Uh, there's a talking raccoon kind of thing. We never got to see it in the movie either. And so that would have been a little too much for this movie. But, you know, yeah. like there's uh, there is a, a lady who had her legs cut off and she's in a wheelchair and she has a split personality and one's really, really nice. And one is scary, you know, and they teach her how to shoot a gun. So like, there's a lot of different things that didn't show up in the film. I I don't know. Like, no, I didn't want to deluge you with a bunch of things that weren't there and tell you why a film's weaker because of its lack of content. I just wanted to see what your thoughts were on what content they brought you. 
Um, and I'm glad that you told me that before I went into my whole disjointed rant about the series. Well, yeah, I mean, my criticisms were, for the most part, pretty minor. Um, I will say that uh, I did kind of get a Masters of the Universe vibe from this movie. That's what I was wondering. I forgot to thank you for bringing that up, because it's like, we don't have the budget to do this entire movie in this one world. Guess we got to go to Earth. Right. That's (laughs) how it felt. And also with just them being separated for no reason in different locations throughout most of the movie. Yeah. but yeah, that that was the, the the feeling that I got. And now that you say that, like it's uh, an, uh, an intended sequel, like I understand why you don't include that in the marketing. But that's the first I've heard of it, and it came out like a well, year because, ago. Because the whole the thing is, of, yeah, because it's not a sequel to you. This right. is the start of the story, right? And, and I, I understand yeah. that, like, that's going to put off moviegoers. Like, I, I'm sure if I heard that and it was like, hey, it's a sequel to like six books you've never read, I'd be like, great. I'm not saying that, but like. I, I feel like that would have popped up more in like just general knowledge of like things that I saw and read about the film. Um, but if if I'm and I don't want to say like oh I could make a better movie. I'm just saying that like the things that I liked in that movie that I would have liked to have seen would have been like probably ten minutes of this movie expanded into an hour and a half. Like I would have liked to have seen a story of Roland and his father. I would have liked to have seen why the kid isn't more important than just the fact that he has the shine. Um and <laughs> I like then, how you say that with kinda of like this like kind of disdain. You're like, the shine. <laughs> I always think of that since he's got episode. the shitting yeah. <laughs> oh, you've got the shitting boy. You wanna get sued? <laughs> um you know, I would have liked to have seen like more backstory between the man in black and Roland. Like the whole idea that you just that line of, you know, and Roland pursued him through the desert or whatever the yeah. line was. Like that's actually like just a great premise for like setting up a movie. So mm-hmm. um and it was again, like I said, like my criticisms were were very minor. One was about being able to follow action in one scene um and not really getting a good grasp of exactly what the black tower the dark tower is. I, but like it just it it's unfortunate cuz it didn't really like please king fans and it didn't please general audiences like the people who didn't come to it like it just it it fell in the middle it became a, a mediocre movie basically is yeah that, that, and like, I, I think that's fair um so the line that i um that is that i don't think it's said in the movie um but there's a point in the book series and because roland the first half of the series he's just he's devoted to going to the tower he's just going to the tower because that's what he that's his goal and when he first meets jake uh, there's a point where they're in this like situation where the kid's about to like fall to his death and the man in black is like, Hey, um, you know, you like, I'm giving you what you want now and in information, but you got to make a decision, me or him. And Jake just looks at him like this 11 year old kid was like, you know, go on. There's other worlds than these and Roland drops him and just lets him die. And he goes to talk to the man in black and it's implying that since Jake was this earth kid and he showed up in, um, uh, Jalad or Midworld, which mm-hmm. you know, thankfully the movie does get a point of the cross that Roland's world is not the same world. Like even though there's roller coasters there, but whatever. Um, Everybody loves roller yeah, coasters. Yeah, yeah. So because uh, <laughs> because you get this idea that there's multiple aside from like multiple realities, there's multiple alternate realities. You know, yeah. so because the tower is the axis for everything. So when Jake dies in the books, um, there he's actually gone. Um, until the third book where, uh, because since he died there, there's this whole thing where like Jake living in New York, he never crosses over for however reason. I forget why it's been a while since I read it. He starts having this kind of split, 
uh, reality of like, I'm still alive, but I should be dead type of feeling. And then, and then across the way, Roland was also having this experience of like, I met this kid. No, you didn't. And it was like b- driving them both insane. And they eventually found each other again yeah. in a house controlled by a demon that ro- rose through the floorboards, which you see in the movie. Yeah. It's contextualized way different. You know, like I do want to mention real quick. There were things that I liked about the movie because I feel like I've kind of harped on the things that yeah. I didn't. Um, and they're, they're small scene things. Like I, I tend to graft onto like character things, but I, I really like the scene where the man in black shows up at Jake's parents' house and like he just does away with the stepfather. Like, <laughs> yeah, it's kind of great, actually. Yeah, he's like, stop breathing. Yeah, and it's like, <laughs> and I'm like, I'm glad somebody said it because I really wanted that to happen. Um, and I, I liked actually the the character of the mother. Um, I liked that uh, you can see like when she real like it washes over her face. Like my kid's not screwed up. This is real. Yeah, when she tells her, you know, her her husband like. This is the guy from the drawings. Like, yeah. that was like that moment where it clicked in place. And then how uh, McConaughey was basically just, just like tearing into her emotionally. Yeah. And the payoff on that was actually kind of interesting because, like, whenever Roland's like, he set a trap for you because the whole thing is that since this kid's such a powerful psychic, basically, anytime he uses this ability, uh, which he didn't know that he had, and it was just manifesting in these dreams that he was having, it's basically a beacon. And so he set this horrible thing for him to walk in on, on his mother yeah. to basically make him fire off. And I thought that was kind of a smart idea of the movie when Roland's like, this is what he wants you to do to find you. Like, yeah. I was like, and that never, nothing like that happens in the book. Books. But um, that, so, I, yeah, so I like that conceit from a screenwriting standpoint of like, he's going to find us now, you know? yeah. Which, but he could find you, in, whatever. Yeah. <laughs> and I, I liked the fact that like, <laughs> and it happens, I guess, more in like '80s movies. But like, it's almost the Hulk Hogan thing of wrestling, where like, oh, he's down, he's down for the count. If only the the crowd will cheer for him, will he be able to find the strength to get? <laughs> only like, if he can remember that thing he says over and over yeah. again in the movie. Like, what's nice about this is, is like they get to Earth, and like the first thing the kids like is, we got to get you to a hospital. Yeah, like <laughs> I like that. Too. That was there. That was one of those things. That's a moment that is not it's not from the books at all but is very much in nature with it because uh, roland does experience earth uh at various points some from more of the viewpoint of being in someone's consciousness like looking through like being john malkovich type thing because there's there's literally a door that he walks through and the like that's they didn't even get to the doors in the movie but like there's literal doors with like a name on and he walks through and he could be in that person's presence like and see what's going on so with him being infected in the movie, which altered his ability to shoot a gun in the second book, he's infected and he has no, no medicine whatsoever. And somehow they find a way to bring back penicillin, which he can never say right because the word is foreign to him and he can't say the word Aspen, right? Cause he, he call, <laughs> keeps calling it Aston and uh, someone brings him a sandwich. It's tuna fish. And he keeps calling it tutor fish. Like there's this whole thing where the, the world doesn't feel he can't, yeah say it so I, they do that kind of spiritually in the movie where it's like it's like these are this is like like what was a painkillers in medicine and he just just down and, and downs them all and he's like here have some sugar and he just drinks the soda and he's like i haven't felt this good in years. years yeah i really liked that scene because i'm like oh like you never see that happen where they're like we need to like patch you up or yeah. fix you or like and the whole thing too it's like you have various strands of like what was it, hepatitis yeah and and acute radiation <laughs> poisoning. poisoning and he's just like <laughs> I have to go. Like, like, <laughs> I like that. But I also like how he's like, I'm stronger than most. Like that's yeah. all he said. Like he's just very matter of fact about it. And I, 
I dig that. I also dig that they set up that uh, the man in black's like, for whatever reason, my tricks don't work on you. Like, like, yeah. they, so it's established that like he he's a real foil. Stop. Yeah, yeah. Um, so there's bits in there that feel very much spiritually, yeah. in line with the series, which is what I say that if someone wants to shit all over this because it's not a one for one representation of the books, it's never going to be. And there's a lot in the books that look that work well on the page, but would not work well if you did them literally in the, like, again, Stephen King shows up as a character in his own story and the van hitting him plays into that story. It's really weird, Mm -hmm. but it works because, you know, you write it and you believe it. You have as much, you have as many words and as many pages as you want to tell your story. When you're trying to do something in a medium of television show or, or a film, I, I haven't read the game of Thrones series or sorry, a song, a song of ice and fire. Um, but what I'm beginning in the series has been dense and a lot, and everybody keeps telling me how much I'm missing, and I'm like, "This is a feast already," yeah. you know. So I, yeah. I uh, the only other thing I could compare it to, as far as like my movie uh, going experience goes, and I know this is probably going to cause controversy, but like <laughs> the Ryan Reynolds Green Lantern movie, um, I by no means loved it, but I didn't hate it the way it was hated when it came out. Yeah, I thought it was just okay, and I kind of feel like that's what this is. Like I feel like. It's an okay movie. It's it's just that like it's it's not great. It's not terrible. It's just it's in the middle, and there are things that I like about it, things that I don't like about it. But I I, I don't think it needed to be as like because it, it did seem to be kind of shit on when it came out. I don't think there it was no that. hype for it. There's yeah. there's troubles in the production. I guess the initial test screenings were bad. The, so for as for as competent as the film is, the finished product, like I don't think there's any huge glaring errors in the film. No, I don't think there's. Um, yeah, supposedly the original like cut of the film, people were like, "This is a mess. Doesn't make sense." Uh, and but like Ron Howard and somebody else came in and, and they they told the director like, you know, fix some of your story beats and change your music cues and you're good. And it's like that's way different than saying the movie's unwatchable. Yeah. Like, so. I, the deleted scenes do point towards things that were being hinted at that they just they reworked completely out. The bloopers on the the disc actually hinted dialogue that was never used either because they screwed it up. But they mentioned the Crimson King straight up, so it's like you get the feeling that they course corrected and was like, you know, if we're not going to bring that thing in and do it justice, let's just remove it off the table completely. And I think that wasn't a bad mo- move, except you see his his sigil all over the film. Uh, the the idea of, of the rose, which is on, if you look at the DVD menu, the when you go through the selecting of the different special features, there's a rose that goes along, like a little rose on the stem. If I remember correctly, too, the I feel like the beginning of The Mist, the movie The Mist, uh, he's painting. He is. He is uh, painting uh, Roland. Yeah. And, and Thomas James, he's painting. And the, the rose is in that. Yes. Yeah. He's painting supposedly a movie poster for the Dark Tower, which people lost their minds at the time, saying, "Is this happening?" And they're, and they're like, "Nope, it's just kind of like a nice nod." And that's a Drew Struzan painting, too, by the way. And that's a movie that actually, if we at some point want to talk about, I love The Mist. So, and that's another uh, one that doesn't necessarily pull like 100 from from King. But yeah, that's a Drew Struzan painting, and yeah. it's a beautiful painting. But the rose is there, and the rose is 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 a representation of the tower. Like okay. saying that this is this beautiful thing that in the in the center of the rosebud is like you see like a galaxy spinning like a Milky Way type of thing and it's like that's all of reality. It it's whatever it's you know metaphor. I don't know what you want to call it. Um, but the rose is showing up in like the menu items and then at the very very end of the film whenever uh, Roland convinces uh, Jake to come along with them they they run into this one room where they know where the tech is the portal tech. 
and there's a, a, a rose spray painted on the um, the market door, or whatever the the sliding door. Oh, I didn't even notice it's, that. It's right, but it's like that's just that's my that's my frustration with the film is like you have all this detail that you're not speaking to any of it, and so if you're just like the first person, like if you've never known anything about any of this stuff, it would not add anything to the film. But it's right there, almost almost within grasp of a bigger thing being told, and they don't do it. That did bring something to my uh, one of the other things I liked about it, and I, I don't even know if I could say it's just the way it's designed, but I do like the house that he finds that is the portal. Yeah, um, how it's kind of abandoned inside, but it's also like all blown out and like. It's I, I very... feel like that should have been the house that the kids found in it, but that's just me because I feel like the the house on Maple <laughs> Street it was way too horror movie. You know what okay, I mean? Yeah. It, like, so I feel like this house that he finds is a little bit more. I feel like that should have been. Yeah, but yeah, but that's that's pulled from the third book when he encounters the the house demon, and that too. He, there's no there's no sci-fi portal tech there. It's him drawing a door on a a piece of like you know wall and and carving a key and opening. It's very fantasy. Um, I like the kind of cheat that they used. That this idea that there's a lot of super advanced tech, but a lot of it's in disrepair because that is something that shows up in the series. Mm-hmm. So there's things that they took ideas from. Was like, well, how can we get? A, how can we explain this without really explaining it? It's like so that in the number nineteen, they that showed up and that somehow became the portal to get the midworld. That's fine. That's not exactly what that meant in the books, but it works as a visual. You know, I, I like, can explain it for you. Actually, magic. It's just science the, you don't yeah. understand. So there, there's just a lot of those conceits that I was okay, like a, a lot of hand waving that was like, this is what how this happens. Like, like um, you know, that wherever the man in black held all those kids with like their weirdly nice little houses right outside this big weird machine that would pull all their psychic energy out. That's based on something similar called Blue Heaven uh, in the books. And it's like, but it's so fast that you don't think too hard about like, why are these houses on top of this plateau? These houses look normal. That reactor thing does not look normal. Something's wrong here. You know, mm-hmm. there's a lot that doesn't, that doesn't connect, but it's a cool visual. Um, but yeah, I just there. And, and also there are names of characters and names of things in the, in the credits of the film that are never said during the movie, like the village they show up at um, in Midworld. Uh, where Roland like talks to all you know the homeless people that are not homeless but whatever the the people living there, that's called a Manny Village and there's supposed to be a bunch of Sears and Oracles there which he says but it's never referred to as the Manny Village the entire time which is like here's a hobo camp and they have a portal <laughs> generator you know like and it was like it was just weird how in the credits you see all the stuff that's directly referenced from the book as in names of characters but they're never said out loud yeah. Um, and also, too, when I mentioned the special features on the DVD, you see the rose. And then, like, there's all these little bonus features that um, show, like, imagery, like little visual um, vignettes where Matthew McConaughey reads segments from the book or Idris Elba does. And it's these little visual vignettes that are directly from the books, but none of this imagery do you see in the movie. I'm like, why is this a special feature? You're teasing us with the thing you didn't make. Yeah. That felt weird. Yeah. So anyway, it's so I feel like the the DVD presentation was trying to be that that handout to the the Stephen King reader of the book series, trying to be like, no, 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 we are aware of what we were doing. This is not this movie. It felt like a weird half step. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I feel like maybe I'm going round and round on this, much like a wheel. So my my um, last question yeah. is this, and I don't know um, if it's been revealed or not, but like. Did Stephen King, did they go to him and be like, 
So write us what this continuation is, but make it a two-hour movie. Because no. it's a short runtime, too. It's, it's only 90 make, minutes. So, yeah. It's like, it's a quick watch. I was, which, in a weird way, I was kind of happy about, because it's yeah. like, I, I've been watching, I mean, there's a lot of great movies right now, but they're all like almost three hours. And I was just like, this is 90 minutes. I can do this. Um, so th- King didn't write this, but the, whoever the screenwriters were, like, Kiva Goldsmith, I think, the guy who like he ruined oh, Star yeah. Trek. You know, yeah, I'm joking. He, yeah. he also, I believe, uh, wrote Batman and Robin. Yeah, so. so the guy's written, he's written some good stuff and then some not so good stuff. Um, they basically presented the jumping off point for the movie should be already with the man in black collecting all the kids that are breaking the beam. Because that does not get introduced as a concept until more than halfway through the book series. So and so King actually appreciated them kind of just cutting to the quick. So he's like, How do you how do you enter this world? You know, and he and he has a he has a couple interviews on the uh the bonus features, and obviously he's not going to like he's not gonna shit on the movie that is based upon his magnum opus, and they're having him sitting down talking about the movie. You know, I think I think he's also smart enough to know that uh he's seen a lot of really, really bad um, interpretations of his his books and stories in the movies, so I think you know he he put he did he he did the good thing and 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 stuck up for the film and was telling everybody like you need to check your expectations. This is not my book, you know. These are not the books. This is a continuation. Go in with a fresh set of eyes. It's, so I think he was basically telling everybody up front like D- don't don't expect what I've presented. It's not going to be that. So I think he. I think he kind of gave it his blessing and I think he also appreciates that they're trying to take it in a little different direction. So ultimately he was okay with it. So you know. of the two adaptations from last year, cause I know that like, <laughs> you know, you took crap for being like, yeah, it's okay. Like you didn't love it. You didn't hate it. Um, was there one that like felt more Stephen King to you or that, touched you and i touched you uh <laughs> did, the, did the clown touch me better or uh, where or did the man in black touch where me on better? the doll did it touch yeah. you um no i mean was there one that you felt did it better it, just in the case because they've given it time to breathe and they're doing it over two movies i think it okay. does did do it better again they even took liberties with the book to try to make the story make sense for a film and some of it i agree with and some of it i don't and that's fine like that's you make it your own if, if, if i was given the budget and the ability to do it i'm sure i wouldn't go literally word for word of what was going on uh frank darbont's the mist is not exactly the same as the story and the ending's a hell of a lot different than the story and it's a i think the mist as a film is a stronger product than the book is honestly yeah so I, how do you how do you interpret King like King? So in the, the, this is the last thing I'll say because currently the, in my life right now I've watched The Dark Tower. Uh, I'm reading Stephen King's newest novel, which is The Outsider. I'm working my way through it, uh, and I started watching Castle Rock on Hulu. Castle Rock is a series set in the Stephen King universe and of the town of Castle Rock, but the story being told is not written by Stephen King. Yeah. Why is that much more approachable to me than I'm like, you know, I'm kind of down for this. But then you take something that's trying to be a representation of something he wrote. And I'm like, well, that's not like that at all. But for some reason, Castle Rock's okay to me. I don't understand how I was able to to let my guard down immediately for someone telling me a story about characters living in Castle Rock. But none of this is written by Stephen King. Like, I don't know how it's, it's a weird how I'm able to let that go. But then something like it or the Dark Tower, because they're supposed to be they're supposed to be representations of the book. Of, of Stephen King's work that I have hesitation towards. I don't know why that is in my mind. I mean, my guess is just the fact that like 
those two are taken as adaptations, and the other one is like it's of the world. It's not something directly being, you know, adapted. You know, whether or not Pangborn is from like Needful Things doesn't really impact. Yeah. I mean, we're only four episodes in, but like it doesn't have a severe impact on like it doesn't keep you from watching the show. It doesn't like having that knowledge doesn't impact you one way or the another. Like um, if, if there was a TV series that was set in. Uh, in Midworld, in uh, the Kingdom of Jalad, 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 whatever, Gillette, the Kingdom of Razors, that you know, each one cut closer than the last, and it was like set a hundred years or, or two generations before Roland, and it was about the gunslingers and the knights of the uh, the, the knights of Eld or whatever they want to call them. I would be all about that because that's yeah. a world I want to learn more about, and I guess the comics do go in a lot of those different directions. Uh, so I think I'd be more on board because you're right; it would be in that universe. So. I, I'm just so like I just feel like right now everything like I'm looking at right now is like Stevie King influence, which isn't a bad thing, but it's different. Like I'm literally reading his work. I watched an interpretation of his magnum opus, and then I'm watching a TV series that's just based on things that he's written, but nothing and nothing in other than Alan Pangborn. It's its own animal. Like it's a it's a weird time to be a King fan, you know. Mm-hmm. Like so, not a bad time. It's just just it is what it is. Yeah, yeah. So. The Dark Tower wasn't bad. I know we kind of ruined a little bit of it, but I think Idris Elba's awesome as Roland. Uh, whenever he is actually, there's the bit, the action sequence in the village when he is ill and just trying to like get through all the bad guys. The way they show him just kind of forcing his way into situations and being barely able to stand up, but his gun keeps aiming true every single time yeah. is badass. Cause there's like, there's like a weird stagger. Like he just holds the gun out and leans into it and shoots. And it's like really cool looking. Yeah. And then the, the big, uh, throw down in the Dixie pig, uh, whatever that place is. I really like that. He collects himself for a second and kind of thinks it all out and then just goes like it, it, that those are the parts that feel the most gunslinger to me. Uh, and then some of his interactions with Jake, that feels the most rolling to me. So there's a, there's, there's good stuff there to be had. Yeah. So yeah, I think it's, you know, it's an enjoyable movie if you're not thinking about it too much and you just want to, I don't, I don't mean to say thinking about it. If you're not expecting a straight on adaptation, I guess uh, me watching it without having any sort of basis in the books, I think I might've, been able to enjoy it at least a little bit more on that level than someone who's read all of it. So. Yeah. So anyway, it's a little bit long and winding, but you know, it's also a book series that goes over 20 years and it goes into a 90 minute movie. So whatever. So uh, I just, uh, Stevie King said though, that supposedly they're making a sequel and he's like, and the one thing he wants to see happen is see Roland wear a hat. <laughs> Like, I like the idea that he's like, he's the gunslinger. He's a cowboy. He needs a hat. I'm like, I did think that was an odd choice that he wasn't he, wearing. He a, needs to have a hat. Yeah. Like, that's, you know, but people, people were pissed off that Idris Elba was rolling because, again, King always envisioned uh, Roland as more of Clint Eastwood. Yeah. And also, he also envisioned the man in black as more of Lee Van Cleef, which that made me super happy when he said that. Um, <laughs> because I'm just, I'm, you know, but I think both castings were great. And the fact that they, they changed, uh, supposedly, Roland's, you know, um, background from you know Clint Eastwood white to Idris Elba you know black I I'm fine with I don't know it just doesn't it doesn't do any it doesn't change it one way or another Idris Elba's a great actor and getting Dennis Haysbert to be his dad was awesome move too like so I just yeah there's 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 good things to be had there so anyway ultimately the takeaway from this conversation is I will probably always struggle with things that I love because the things in my head will probably never live up to the things that are presented to me. And this is a very strong example of 
you have to face this thing head on for what it is and not judge it for what it isn't. And that's always going to be tough for me. Yeah, I mean, I I think we've said enough about, you know, that as as far as the subject goes, but I just I think in general with any sort of book adaptation, like there's never going to be something that people will 100% agree on. Like Yeah, that's true. You know, I I just it, reading reading a book in the way you absorb it is much different than the way that you absorb a film. So, um I, I don't know. I, I just think that, uh, you know, for what it was, it was an okay movie. And, <laughs> like, you well, know, I'm, I'm hoping to have a similar conversation at some point. I'm sure there's something that's near and dear to you that I have no point of reference for. And I'll go in and watch and be like, yeah, it was okay. And you're like, here's seven reasons why it was not. Like, I, I want, I, I, yeah, I, I'm sure there is. I, I, mean, I want those things. Like, I like, like, um, I, not that this is the same thing at all. I've not seen the Phantasm films, which I know you recently finished that series, but I think the first couple you've known for a long time. And yeah. so it might be interesting for like something like that or another property that I'm not familiar with at all. I don't know. I like these discussions of, I don't know what this is, but you're in love with it. So let's see how we end up well, you know, feeling yeah. about it. So I think that's cool. So anyway, let's go do it for that part of the conversation. Uh, before we get to to the game here, we'll just do some some housekeeping. Uh, you guys can find us on Facebook. Uh, we're at um, Invasion of the Podcast. Uh, we're also invasionofthepodcast.com, where you can see all my poorly worded blogs about the year of the knockoff and some westerns. Uh, and also, um, yeah, and if there's any other adaptations of, of books to movies or whatever that you feel are worthy of this discussion, then, then post them on the Facebook. I'm sure there's things we're missing completely, you know? So, yeah, I mean, in college, I had to write a paper for one of my classes that was like take an adaptation and like contrast it with the book. So I picked the easiest one I possibly could, which is the running man. I don't know if you, Oh yeah. 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 Um, Vastly different. (laughs) Vastly different. Yeah. Yeah. Um, which, yeah, I, I want to see a movie version of the book, even though the movie version is awesome, <laughs> but it is a real far departure from the book. So yeah, um, oh, yeah, you can find us on um, we're we're on Twitter at uh, Invading Podcast, we're uh, iTunes, Stitcher, Podbean, um, you know wherever you get your podcasts, you know by the pound. I don't know, but find us if you can find us there, rate and review us. That'd be great. And Steve, how can people find you? Check me out at the SaturdayNightSlasher.com. You can follow me on Instagram at the Saturday Night Slasher. You can also see me on Twitter under just the Saturday Slasher. And I believe that's oh, and there is a Facebook for that. But at this point, really, most of the posts are just you know I have it connected to my Instagram. So if you're following me on Instagram, you're going to see the same thing most likely on Facebook. But you know, um, I don't know why I said that. <laughs> but you can find me in all those places and send me a message and say, hey, um, you haven't updated the story in a while. We'll get to work. Yeah. So, so you're just like I'm waiting for the 90 minute movie. Yeah. <laughs> Because there's the so because the world of the slasher is so much bigger than ninety minutes. Life so. keeps getting in the way. Yeah. So all right, and then the tease for the other show that I that I'm a part of, uh, the Strange Highways with uh, with friend Kevin who was on the show recently talking about uh, Mission Impossible, uh, where we watch the Twilight Zone in sequence. Steve is going to be so nice to be on that show the next episode that we do, which we're recording tomorrow, uh, and we're going to be watching uh, season three, episode eight. It's a good life. That's the one with the kid with the mind powers. That's terrifying. Steve will be on there. We'll have a good talk, good conversation. Yeah, I hope we'll, we'll uh, talk about gelatinous chicken. <laughs> For those of you who listen, we'll probably understand that reference. Yeah, I mean, we'll we'll see. Uh, we'll just uh, hopefully hopefully you do not wish us into the cornfield. So that's what I'm saying. <laughs> so all right, um, yeah. So let's um, let's just get to our uh, game. I'm going to put that in uh, quotes. I don't know. <laughs> it's time to play the game. 
All right. All right. So uh, the game today is uh, Which King Is It? And uh, as many of you have probably noticed, I have the same name as the very famous author. The only difference is, is I <laughs> you finally figured it out, pieced it together. <laughs> um, but uh, I spell mine with a V-E. Uh, he spells his with a P-H. And, uh, you know, I constantly get the joke, no matter where I'm going, where people always think that they're the first person to ever realize that, you know, I have the same. Is that really your name? Yes, it's really my name. I'm That's not. why I'm thankful that uh, Paul Ryan did not become vice president, because yeah. my, my, my first and middle name is Paul and Ryan, so I just did not want to have anybody saying anything to me. So I won't get uh, too political, but... Um, I am very glad to now have the other Stephen King because there's also a Republican oh, Stephen yeah, King that's right, yeah. who is a complete douchebag that <laughs> I would much rather not be confused with. So that's I'm fair. happy that I get the other King. But uh, uh, it's also the reason that the Saturday Night Slasher, my name is S. Lewis King. Lewis is my middle name. Uh, I want to alleviate like any like somebody going like, who's this guy think he is? Stephen King writing a horror story? <laughs> So you're like, no, it's Lewis. Just it's deal Lewis. with it. <laughs> so uh, I picked uh, ten facts. Uh, some of them are facts about me. The other are facts about uh, the author. And okay. Paul has to tell me which one he thinks this fact is. I like it. All right. All right. So the very first one's a real easy one. It's uh, he played uh, trombone in high school. Uh, that would be you. Yes, I did play trombone in high school. So. Um, a very popular instrument now. <laughs> All right, number two. Um, when he was in college, uh, he held a job as a janitor, a gas pump attendant, and worked at an industrial uh, laundry facility. Oh, that's King. Okay. Yeah, I mean, the other King, not you, King. Yes. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I'm okay with the being author. me and yeah. him being King. Yeah. All righty. Um, he had an early interest in horror, um, often reading EC's horror comics. I, I want to say it's both of you. Yeah, I actually, so I've only in the last like 10, 15 years really come to appreciate the old EC comics. And every time I look at the artwork of those books now, guys like Jack Davis, Graham Ingalls, um, phenomenal, phenomenal artists. Like I, I honestly at the point where I think the artists on those books were probably some of the best comic book artists to ever like work in the genre because their work is staggering for the time that it was being made. Um, hmm. And the stuff that they did is just fantastic. So um but yeah, I I I didn't discover comics until I was uh, in my teens, and uh, you know I think we've talked about the fact that it was Batman that drew me in. So, oh. but the yeah. uh, the old EC horror comic stuff is really good. So if you want to check it out, please do. Um, but I thought that might be since I read a horror comic, maybe that would throw you off a little. <laughs> um, as a child, he had a beagle named Dusty. That would be you. Yes. Yeah. Um, much like Garfield, his favorite food is lasagna. <laughs> oh, see, I I want to say that's you. Yeah, that's yeah, me. <laughs> not much of a game here at this no, point. No, no, I think it's... But it's, you're, you're but, knocking uh, is, is your next Is your next one going to be like, really had a problem with cocaine in the 80s? I'm <laughs> like, oh, I don't know. Well, I tried to pick the ones that weren't no, obvious. No, 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 no. And I tried to pick things about me that didn't apply to him because I was like... I don't know. I don't know if you had a cocaine problem, ladies, either. But, you know, <laughs> I didn't. You're bumping rails as like an eight year old. Just be like, you know. Used to have to stuff uh, tissues up my nose in <laughs> third grade, um, but for other reasons. I could, I could do all the alphabet. I could do it all. Like, <laughs> uppercase, lowercase, cursive. I could do cursive right now. Yeah, yeah. Like I could do cursive. What? I'm gonna time out. You need a timeout. <laughs> 
All right, so the next one here is uh, doesn't like the number 13. That would be the author. Yeah, I've got a quote here from him. Uh, I have a thing about the number 13 in general. It never fails to trace that old icy finger up and down my spine. When I'm writing, I'll never stop if the page number is 13 or multiple of 13. I'll just keep typing until I get to a safe number. (laughs) Which yeah. is weird because I embrace thirteen everywhere. Like I, it's in my email signature, which is not signature in my email address, which is kind of ridiculous. But um, yeah, I have always used thirteen for everything. So, alrighty, next one. Uh, he got married in a movie theater. Um, author. That's me. Oh, yeah. Uh, and uh, I have to credit my wife for this. She picked like the most perfect thing ever uh in sandusky where i grew up there's an old theater called the state theater uh that was renovated uh we had our wedding and reception there so that's a good but there's already seats yeah. you know like it's a good call yeah and it was a, a movie themed wedding and uh people have have from all over told me that it was the best wedding that i ever went to so and i take pride in that and even <laughs> though my wife did most of it <laughs> uh he wrote a column steve king's garbage truck for his student newspaper that was uh the author yeah, yeah. i that one's kind of also true for me not that i wrote a um a column but uh in um eighth grade i wrote a movie review uh column and i also did a cartoon uh, something like something about a hippie. I don't remember what it was called. I think it was like smelly old hippie or something. I don't remember. <laughs> that's that's the author's new book coming out. Watch out, watch out for the smelly old hippie. <laughs> yeah, because it was it was you know in the mid eighties, and I thought making fun of the sixties was funny back then. So, <laughs> um, is a fan of uh, this is the next one is a fan of the Ramones. Uh, well, that'd be the author. Yeah. Because he also has a band he's in called The Rock Bottom Remainders. It's him and some other horror writers. Yeah, it's, yeah. Uh, it's uh, actually him. Uh, Matt Groening, oddly enough, oh, okay. of The Simpsons fame. So maybe not uh, um, authors, but yeah, like a lot of creative types. Yeah. yeah. Um, but uh, <laughs> my funny story about the Ramones is that... Uh, um, and this is not that I dislike the Ramones. I just, for whatever reason, was very unfamiliar with them outside of like one or two songs. And uh, the one year I went to Lollapalooza, they were one of the acts. And uh, I don't know if people will remember the Saturday morning cartoon album that came out. Basically, it was bands covering. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, Saturday morning cartoons. And they did a version of the Spider Man theme song. Oh, yeah. And like. When they went on stage, for whatever reason, it just didn't register me with me that they start every song off the one, two, three, four. Because the one song that I wanted to hear was the damn Spider Man theme song. Yeah, and like I'd get excited like every time they'd start a song. So I'm like, this is it. This is it. oh no, this isn't it. But they did play it, which was which was really cool. Um, but uh, yeah, he's a big. And I was gonna say he's also a big Metallica fan. But I'm like, I can't, that's, I can't yeah, that throw that be, in there because yeah. that's me. Um, all right, now this last one here um, is that uh, he accidentally slid his wrist by walking through a glass plane on a screen door that he didn't know was there. I, I'm going to say that was you. Yeah, that was me. Oh, that I, sucks. I, I have the scars. I was like four or five, and my my mom, I remember specifically, she used to yell at me because I'd run through the house and like go through the screen door and just hit the, the latch. Yeah. And my dad had replaced that because it was closer to winter. He'd replaced up the screen with an actual pane of glass, oh. and my arms went right through it and... Yeah. Oh so. wow, that's uh, terrible. Yeah, yeah. So uh, obviously, I lived to tell the tale, but uh, 
I was like, well, that would be an interesting like, fact your about la- your last it was- fact was was hit by a van. I'm like, oh, I don't know, <laughs> I don't know. Um, so yeah, no, that was fun. Uh, I learned I learned about don't you lie. that you <laughs> I learned that you hate Mondays but love lasagna. So that's uh, that's that's also good to know. So all right, um, that's going to do it for us this week. Next week, I'm dragging Steve back into the video game world. So I'm going to have a very He's going to have a very eye-glazed time as I'm talking about World of Warcraft. The new expansion is coming out next week. It's like the sixth expansion in this game. It's 14 years old. I think it's important to talk about its longevity and some of the the story choices that it makes in terms of how it gives um, players like... We do, we talked about just recently with uh, the Dark Tower and everything, how you know it's not yours, but Blizzard and World of Warcraft, they try to make it yours. They try to make everything... like funneled through you. So I want to talk mm-hmm. a little bit about that. And I just want to talk about the excitement of a game that should not still be as wildly successful and popular as it is 14 years later is still adding content. So I want to have that conversation and hopefully make it entertaining and somewhat informative for Steve who does not play this game. So we'll see how that goes. Yeah. It's going to, it's going to be me a lot of like, and this is a dragon and this guy <laughs> fights a dragon. But then this other guy, I didn't like that guy that fought the dragon. That's what's going to be. Well, when you said eye glazed, I thought you said ham glazed. I was like, Ooh, I'm going to eat ham next week. Maybe we'll have ham as well. Maybe that's the enticing bit. Like I'll just, I'll just like put little ham cubes in front of you as you're talking and you'll, you'll make happy noises about that. So it sounds like I'm making good points about the conversation. So, so yeah. All right. Um, that's going to do it for us this week. Uh, have a safe week and, We'll see you next time. I have nothing good to say other than, you know, there's other worlds than these. Go play some Warcraft.